What's up guys, this episode we are talking about the new Rails Webpacker gem. Webpack, if you aren't familiar with it, is kind of like an asset pipeline that's built in pure JavaScript. So the JavaScript community tends to use that a lot to be for their build pipelines, for building out Vue or React or Angular applications like that, it will go ahead and let you write in ES6 syntax and then you can take that, compile it down to the JavaScript that your browser can understand, and then it allows you to you know, build out all your modules, install NPM packages and everything like that, and it will handle all of that stuff for you. So Rails is adding support for Webpack and you will effectively have two asset pipelines now. You'll have the asset pipeline where you'll still write your style sheets, put your images, all that jazz, and you'll also write your app-like front ends in JavaScript in the Webpack section if you want to go ahead and do that. Now, you've always been able to do this in the asset pipeline, but it doesn't give you a good experience when you're building that stuff. So Webpack is actually gonna allow you to do hot module reloading and all kinds of other things. Um, as well as it bakes in support for Babel so that you could write things like ES6. Now keep in mind this gem is actually for Rails 4.2 and up, but officially they're only supporting Rails 5.1 and higher. So if you're using Rails 4.2 or 5.0, um, you can definitely still use this and it works great, but there is a chance, a small chance, that they might end up doing something that makes it incompatible with those versions. So keep that in mind as we go. I would wait definitely until the first official release of this before you go and put it into production. Um, but let's take a look at how we can set all this up in a Rails 5.1 RC1 app right now and just give you an idea of how it all works and how you can put your apps together using a front-end JavaScript framework like Vue.js. So we're gonna use Vue.js. Uh, it's my personal favorite out of all of them um, for many reasons, but we're gonna go build a small example with that. And then I'm gonna follow up with a second video showing you how we can make Vue.js actually Turbolinks compatible, which is pretty neat. So with Webpacker, um, you're going to need, of course, Webpack installed, which actually is easily done for you. You need to make sure that you have Node.js installed on your machine, as well as the JavaScript package manager uh, called Yarn. So this is more recently come out as kind of a replacement for the NPM uh, uh, command. So Yarn is what we'll use to add Vue.js or any other node modules to your Rails Webpack um, setup. So that is going to be all we really need. So it mentions that here in the prerequisites, make sure you install Node and Yarn. This also applies to production. You're gonna need Yarn in production as well so that when you pre-compile your assets, Webpack can go ahead and install those Yarn or those packages with Yarn and then compile those assets for production. So one of the nice things that this gem does is that it provides you link tags that are very similar to the asset pipeline tags, which means that when you pre-compile your assets, when you deploy, all of that is going to work all very, very similar to the way that your JavaScript works in the asset pipeline. So we don't have to learn a whole lot to use the Webpacker setup. Um, we just have to do a couple little basic setup things and we are good to go. So let's dive into an application and see how all this works. 
So I've created this simple application. Uh, it's a really, really basic Rails app with one scaffold for a model called Pages, um, and they have a title and that is simply it. All we're really caring about is having some pages to navigate between so that we can make sure that our JavaScript is working. So that is a really basic application. And if you are adding Webpacker to your application, you can jump into the gem file, drop down to the bottom and add Webpacker. And you're gonna want to do this from the GitHub repository, Rails Webpacker from now on, or for now uh, because that is going to install the latest version but because it hasn't officially been really released yet the latest code is always going to be up on github and give you the most uh, stable and the best features until they release that first version in which case you can switch over to using that published one so we'll install this and run a bundle to install that make sure that you have node and yarn um, installed around this time. So once that is done, we can run once clear and then we'll run Rails Webpacker colon install. So this is how you would install Webpacker in any older Rails app. There's also a dash dash Webpack option that you can use to have it installed by default in any new Rails app as well, but we're just gonna install it manually in this example. So Rails Webpacker install is going to create an app JavaScript directory, so not app assets JavaScripts. This is app JavaScript, um, and that you can see right here, this is effectively the location where all of your Webpack JavaScript is going to live. So all of your front-end JavaScript is going to live inside of this now, for your React code or your Vue code or Angular or whatever. Um, and keep in mind that this is all now requiring us to run a separate process to monitor all of those files. So normally when you do a request in Rails, you will have Rails load and then it hits those assets and then the asset pipeline pre-compiles them so that your browser can use them in development. Well. We now have to run Webpack separately. So we have the Webpack dev server, which is the one I would recommend, but you can also run the Webpack watcher in development and you have to run that side by side with your Rails app. So what we can do is after this has installed all the packages, which it creates a bunch of config files and installs those bin stubs, um, and then it installs yarn add Webpack and all of this stuff to your Rails app. And it installs all of those and you can go back and run your Rails server. And in another tab, you're gonna to need to run that uh, bin webpack dev server so that that can serve up the uh, webpack JavaScript files. And it's gonna come from localhost 8080. So you wanna make sure that nothing else is running on 8080 and your Rails app can run on the standard 3000. So you'll still go back to your browser and load up uh, localhost 3000, but in this case, um, we don't have any of that JavaScript loaded. So one, one thing when you get this set up is that you get a config webpack folder. You don't really need to modify any of these configs, but if you want to look at all of that stuff, you can go ahead and do that. But the key here is that we now have this app JavaScript packs folder with application.js in there, which is different than the application.js in the asset pipeline. 
So the comments up here show you that there's a new JavaScript pack tag rather than the JavaScript include tag that we're typically used to. This is slightly different and links to that port 8080 version that comes from Webpack. In production, it will actually just link to the file. Um, so we need to put this in our layout if we wanna use any of our JavaScript from Webpack. So we have to uh, mention these files separately than the ones that we want to do with uh, the asset pipeline. So you're gonna keep both of those still and you can load all of the JavaScript, like the UJS stuff from Rails if you want it. And you'll keep that with your JavaScript include tag, but your Webpack stuff will be separate using the JavaScript pack tag. So if we save this, this is going to load that application.js in our app. And if we refresh this page, we get hello world from Webpacker. So this works and is now including that and it's coming from that localhost 8080, that separate server that we have right here. This is running and serving up that JavaScript file. And inside of here, we can do whatever we want. So we can create and reference modules and anything um, that we would typically do with node modules or JavaScript modules. We can create, let's say, uh, let's make an app JavaScript Go Rails uh, module. So we'll do that and let's split this window and say app JavaScript Go Rails index.js. And here we can export default and let's just say Go Rails is true and we'll ex export um, that so that we could require it or import it um, in our other JavaScript files. So we can say import uh, Go Rails. We can give this whatever name we want from Go Rails. And this is going to reference that JavaScript Go Rails directory. And it's automatically going to run uh, or load up that index.js. So we're effectively assigning a local variable here called, uh, in, uh, called Go Rails that imports that stuff that it exports which is going to be this go rails is true. And so we can console.log go rails here. And if we save that, we can go back into the browser and we'll see that there's object go rails is true. So we have imported code from that other file and loaded that into our application.js. And something to note here is that if you comment this out and you say hello from go rails, and hit save, you don't have to do anything and you can go back to your browser and it's already caught that change, recompiled the JavaScript and it's actually reloaded it in your browser, which is really nice because if you were doing development of heavy JavaScript stuff, you need to be reloading that pretty regularly so you can get those new changes. I'm sure you're familiar with that process of hitting refresh constantly. This takes that uh, away from you and does that automatically so that you don't have to worry about it. So it's pretty nice um, and convenient when you're building out your front ends like that when you wanna make sure that you uh, make changes whenever you save those files. So this is pretty cool and allows you to then go build out your uh, modules inside the app JavaScript folder, organize it however you want, and then you can do your importing and everything between those modules, just like you would with uh, including uh, modules in Ruby 
or referencing other classes and things. So this is all self-contained inside of that app JavaScript folder, and you can add other dependencies uh, that you want using Yarn. And one thing I didn't point out was that you now have a package.json. This is pretty much the same thing as your gem file. You reference the packages that you depend upon and their versions, and then when Yarn uh, is run, it will install all of these. So then you can add packages to this list. Once Yarn is run, then it will update the yarn.lock, which is, of course, pretty much the same thing as the gemfile.lock. It locks down those versions that you have uh, run, and then it makes sure that when you compile this for production, you end up getting the exact same version, so you don't get anything unexpected when you deploy to production and maybe accidentally got too new of a version. So this takes care of your JavaScript dependencies pretty much the same way that the bundler uh, library does that for your Ruby dependencies. So that is really nice as well. Now I know I mentioned I was gonna install Vue.js here. Well, one thing that we can do is we can use Rails Webpacker colon install colon Vue to install an example uh, view application. So it's very, very simple, but we can install that in our Rails app by um, running this command. There's also an option for React and for Angular that will give you a very, very basic example that gives you a, you know, a place to start and think about how you want to organize your front end. The view one also comes with this really cool, so if we go into the view stuff, there's helloview.js and app.view, which is actually a single file component. So this single file contains the template as well as the JavaScript for that uh, component. And then it also includes some scope styles for it as well, which is really nifty because this is going to be a single file that includes all of the things that are related to that component. So it's fully modular and you're not putting your template in one place and you're not putting your template inside of your JavaScript for the component. And you're also not putting your styles in a totally different place or anything like that. So it's all organized nicely inside of this and separated into their different um, sections here. So this hello Vue.js is actually what requires view. So one of the things that it did when we ran that command was that it actually did yarn add view, view loader, view template compiler, um, and that actually goes and it tells yarn to add that to your local uh, package packages.json. So now our packages.json has view, view loader, view template compiler, and that is added to that. So you can either use yarn to add dependencies or you can use um, this file directly and edit it and then run yarn to install those. So it's usually easier to run yarn add and it will go ahead and do that for you. So we now have this hello Vue.js, which is the actual location that we want to insert into the browser. So if we were to go back to our layout, application HTML ERB, rather than doing our application JS, we could do hello view as the include, and this is going to in, uh, include that and then compile it and then run that in the browser. So if we hit refresh, we're gonna get an error this time because that hello view JS um, isn't in the manifest.json. So 
Inside that manifest.json, it says which files are available. In this case, we actually needed to restart the Webpack dev server because when you use those helpers, um, they actually change the config Webpack loaders. So that needs to be restarted so that it picks up that config change. And then if we refresh this page, uh, we get hello view at the bottom and you can see that you were running a view in development mode and everything is working. So we now have a view app, but unfortunately, if we navigate to another page, it does not include view and you can see that it disappeared because Turbolinks had cached that version and didn't rerun it. So one of those things that we could do is change the event listener to, oops, to Turbolinks load is the same thing as we do with all of our other JavaScript. This simply inserts a element at the very end of the body and then tells view to initialize on that element. So this is pretty straightforward how that works. But of course, if we want that to run on every page, we need to uh, run that when Turbolinks loads. So if we hit show, Turbolinks runs the load event, which triggers view to render here. And if we hit back, that all works, except the browser back button actually does weird things. So it's going to do something kind of unexpected. And the reason for this is because that Turbolinks is actually caching the final HTML on the page. And because we are dynamically rendering stuff with Vue.js, that is not actually the HTML that Rails would have given us, which we really want to cache. This is actually Rails plus Vue.js's HTML, and we don't want Turbolinks to actually cache that. So we have built a Turbol or a Vue.js mixin that will make it Turbolinks compatible, which I will talk about in the next episode. So Webpacker is a pretty straightforward implementation with Rails. It gives you a lot of nice integrations that are familiar, so that JavaScript pack tag in our layout is very familiar to what we're normally doing. We do now have to run that additional process here in the terminal. So things like Foreman, where you can set it up to say, well, we need a web process, we need a webpack process, we maybe need a sidekick process, and it can manage and run all of those and then shut them all down when you wanna stop doing development. Um, that can be very useful when you're using something like Webpack now with your application because you have to manage Rails, Webpack, Sidekick, maybe some other things like Elasticsearch, I don't know. Uh, depends on your application, but if you add that, it now adds an additional process which can be conveniently managed by Foreman. We'll talk about Foreman in the future, but if you wanna learn anything more about Webpacker, their README is really good. It goes into a lot of the configuration stuff as well and talks a little bit about, well, if you wanted to include maybe some SAS styles inside of one of your JavaScript modules here, you can also use the style sheet pack tag. And it talks about how you can use require instead of the import like I did. Um, and you just need to learn a lot more about how um, the modern JavaScript stack works if you wanna dive into a lot more of this deeply. So this readme is still a work in progress, but one thing I wanna mention before we go is that the deployment process is actually no different than what you're normally used to. So that's really nice. So this gem is actually designed so that 
when it sees that the asset precompile command runs, it's actually going to insert webpacker compile right afterwards automatically. So the only change on your server is that you're going to need node and yarn installed. You probably already had node installed so that you could compile the asset pipeline. And so yarn is the only real dependency that you would need to install this time. So that is really nice and gives you webpack with very little changes to the way that your normal workflow works. So that is great. Um, you can also link to sprocket assets as well. So if you had any images in the asset pipeline that you want to link to inside of your webpack stuff you can go ahead and use ERB as the extension in your JavaScript file inside of the webpack folder and you are good to go so there's instructions here for react angular typescript or angular with typescript I mean and Vue.js as well probably some more being added feel free to add more as a pull request this is still in active development, so things are bound to change, but for the most part, the way that you interact with this gem is probably going to stay exactly the same. They're just gonna be building out uh, little extra additional features and customizable things. So that is a quick introduction to Webpacker. We're gonna be using it more in the future. I'm going to follow up this episode with an episode on that JavaScript mix-in for Vue.js. To make it TurboLynx compatible, I'll explain more about what the real problem with it is and how we fix it, but for the most part, uh, it's a very, very simple solution and works really nicely. And we've got a node module that you can use and we'll show you how to use that in that episode as well. So until then, I will talk to you later. Peace.